You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. I have a question for you. Have you ever read a book called uh, 1984? By George Orwell? Correct. There's a, Why, what's happening? Well, there's a character in there um, called Big Brother. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, I liken this age of flesh and blood to a bit of a, a, bit of a 1984 We've got constant monitoring, constant control, and you know the the big hand of a uh, of Big Brother is coming down and changing our game. Whether it's for the good, whether it's for it's it's for the best or it's for the worst, we'll talk about in this episode. But uh, we're coming off some recent some recent and massive news here, Hayden. Yeah, my main. I think we should get straight into it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so episode 69, we are talking about, of course, the recent classic constructed ban by Legend Story Studios. They banned Stubby Hammers, um, targeting this uh, Phi combo deck, as it was called. Probably one of the most broken decks I've seen in a while, not going to lie. I, uh, I think that overall, um, it's a good change. Should there have been a change, that's what we'll get into. Um, but yeah, it's going to be shaking up the meta here for uh, the classic constructed meta here for PT Lille, which is coming in a few weeks. So just going to be diving deep into the ban itself and also how we think it's going to affect the future, how we're preparing and what we how we expect the meta to sort of shift, change, and adapt to this uh, this sort of wrench that's been thrown in uh, thrown in our system. Anyway, Hayden. Yeah. Yeah. First off, always uh, your week in flesh and blood, sir. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was just thinking as well, not not just PT Lil, right? But you've got the Calling Lil and you've also got the Calling Singapore coming up. So, oh, yeah. uh, plus multiple Battle Hardens. So, some some really big events that are going to be impacted by this as we head towards, uh, I guess, <laughs> we'll talk about it, the scheduled ban and uh, restricted announcement uh, on August 30th at the conclusion of sort of this competitive season. Um, yeah, this week in Flesh and Blood, I played a skirmish. So, got out on Saturday. Um, I don't... Uh, I, I like going to my local stores and playing events. I find it super enjoyable. I like to get out where I can. Usually at the moment, it's for draft to get some draft practice for uh, you know Singapore and Lille. But as well, you know, if I can if I can make it, I will uh, try and play some other events. So wanted to play at least one skirmish this season. Uh, took an Ira deck to skirmish. I think the deck was pretty bad. Uh, I tried to make take the tempo happen, Brendan. I was trying to make it happen. It uh, it didn't really happen. So I lost in the in the, the top four. Um, claimed my, my my little foil and and walked off and uh, put the deck in the bin. No, I didn't, but I definitely deconstructed it and, and put the cards away immediately. So, uh, and other than that, this week just been just been trying to get on that sort of testing grind. Get ready. Only two and a bit weeks till I leave for Singapore. As of this, actually, just uh, fourteen days till I leave. So, trying to work out what on earth I'm going to play, what I want to uh, be packing in my bag, and that's kind of been the week. What about you? Yeah. So. No sanctioned events, but doing a lot of testing, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just a little speed bump here with the most prevalent deck in the meta just kind of getting banned. Um, so it changes a lot. I think that we... Uh, it's a bit frustrating because all of the work that we put in was around that Phi deck. Um, obviously, Phi still exists, but it, it's significantly different. Um, so I know... You know, Sasha and I were a little irritated with that. And, you know, 
going a bit back to square one, heading back to Hayden's Viscerai deck is sort of our one of the pillars of the format here that we'll be testing again with our Gauntlet deck. But yeah, I know Runeblade sort of faded in power there for a little bit, and you know, Flesh and Blood they can't have that, so they got to bring that Runeblade back up. So we got Briar and Viscerai back and back in the fray, and of course Prism old him. The usual suspects so interested to see sort of where we go with that no no official events outside of that i have a backpacking trip here in bend oregon um starting on thursday um i'll go till about monday so i've been somewhat preparing for that doing some you know 35 to 40 pound backpack hikes out through the near the lake here in the 105 110 degree heat which is good preparation um I'm very happy I did that did that little test run because I got a bunch of blisters in my new uh my new hiking hiking boots so now I know where to tape up. I'm not gonna suffer this weekend. Tape your whole foot. Yeah. I'll get you through. Yeah, well. All right. Well, with that, we're on to the news. Yeah, I mean nothing too major this week. So the, of course the ban restricted announcement did happen last week. Uh, this was an unscheduled announcement, so. The next announcement is coming August 30th, which is a conclusion of Pro Tour and the calling in Lille. Uh, but before we get into the national season, so potential shakeups there with either Living Legend or uh, a further banner restricted announcement uh, potentially coming. No other changes, though, to banner restricted. So no changes to Blitz, uh, no changes to Commoner in this this current announcement. Over the weekend, we had Battle Hard in Auckland. Uh, and no stubbies in the finals, Brendan. Even though it was legal, it was a all-Guardian showdown uh, i believe it was bravo versus ultim there's actually some some coverage of that which is good to see uh you know some we didn't get it for the previous calling but we got it for this battle hardened <laughs> um <laughs> although the format may be slightly less relevant now with with stubby hammers banned um but i know they had a big weekend over there in auckland and we have i think uh up in the pacific northwest it might be portland uh happening either next weekend or the weekend after so there is more battle hardens coming and then of course Singapore happening in just two, or well, just over two weeks from, from us dropping the pod. Elsewhere, uh, up on fabtcg.com in line with the skirmish season. So skirmish season is underway. We're through one week of skirmish season. And uh, our good friend, the tall Timmy, has been doing a gauntlet series up on fabtcg.com. And he asked me to come on. So there is a video this week up there of me and the tall Timmy dueling it out in a blitz game for the skirmish gauntlet series, uh, which you can find. Brendan, anything from your side this week? Well, the Fat Fitness Challenge did come to a conclusion, so we're going to have our inaugural recognition and prizes today. Um, I'm just going to try to bang this out pretty quick, but overall, I just want to say a few words. I know we did on last week's pod, just an incredible event. Um, really happy with the participation. It was just super awesome in the Arsenal Pass patron discord. You know, we had multiple calls with the people in there, and just the daily updates were incredible. And I know a lot of people sort of came together and motivated each other to really get some stuff done this past month, which was very, very nice to see. So first off, and Hayden, this is it's going to be, I, I kind of have two quote-unquote winners, like big winners for this past month. Uh, I think the first one here is going to come as not a huge surprise, and that's going to be T Tebow. Um, T obviously getting in there from day one. This was his first time ever exercising, and he absolutely killed it. So T actually lost about, I think it was, yeah, it was over 30 pounds, close to 40 pounds in that one month period. Um, and, you know, he's got some pretty incredible goals on the horizon um, that he's looking to hit before his 24th birthday. And I, have, I, I believe, a hundred percent my heart that he can do that. But yeah, this guy, he, you know, he inspired me a lot this past month. Um, he really did. And I think that 
I'm not the only one that shares that sentiment. And we're all very lucky to have had someone who put so much effort into it and was able to accomplish exactly what they set out to do. So T will be receiving a Arsenal Pass um, playmat, an Arsenal Pass life pad, as well as a full set of Fuller Heralds, um, the Herald of Rebirth ones, the ones that were given out to content creators. And then my next big winner is Alex C from the Arsenal Pass Patreon Discord. Just extremely extremely uh active in that discord um kept this was we had a we had a separate channel for nominations uh alex's name came up by far the most I've, i think a lot of people um got a lot from his kind of daily commitment so alex will also be receiving the playmat as well as the fallout heralds and the life pad and then two more uh sorry three more we got or two more we got here the tecla foundry um also just very good commitment. Uh, I know that he actually really crushed it this past month. And then lastly is Zachary, who's near you, Hayden, I believe. He's over in Australia. So for them, they will be getting... Arsenal. He's in the same country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty freaking close. That's closer than me. Uh, but they will both be receiving Arsenal Pass play mats as well as Life Pads. Um, tons of other people that, you know, there was a lot of people in the Discord. A lot of people did really well. And people that weren't even sort of up for these prizes that were either on Twitter um, and or in their own respective communities. Just absolutely incredible, incredible month. And, you know, I hope we can find a way to do it again. Maybe we switched up a bit, uh, find some other kind of lofty goal to go after. But that that community drive and that community just like with the collective goal was one of the most enjoyable things I've I've done <laughs> just ever. Yeah. Uh, super awesome to see and i mean honestly just congratulations to everyone uh you know i know for for everyone it was different different goals right everyone had different goals different things they wanted to achieve during this uh this i guess month of of health mindfulness wellness and um yeah and so many people smashed it out of the park which is awesome and and uh even just to participate i think is like it's a it's a big thing so yeah awesome so stuff. Yeah, so we also have a deck tech, Alexi deck tech, up on the Arsenal Pass channel. I don't know, Hayden, I don't know if it's up now or if it's going to be up shortly after this pod. But that's, Definitely, yeah. It's been out for a couple yeah. of days already. Yep. So up now with Yuki. Um, it's Alexi deck tech. There's an additional piece on the Arsenal Pass Patreon if you want to get the cyborg guide and a bit of tips and tricks. Um, all of that is there if you're looking to go a little bit deeper um, and just crush those local battle hardens or callings. Um, but yeah, Yuki, just an awesome player, very, very articulate, and it's was really special to sort of get into the mind of a master when it comes to Lexi, so very happy with that. Lastly, Brendan, just want to give a massive shout out to all of the Arsenal Pass patrons. Uh, thank you for all your continued support. Of course, if you do want to look at our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash Arsenal Pass. We do monthly extra bonus pods, extra bonus pods. Uh, of course, whenever we throw a deck tech up, as Brendan just said, we'll put up a full sideboard card uh, up on the Patreon for those and uh, just other content that we throw up sort of sporadically, uh, whether it be sort of, you know, draft things or sheets or uh, gameplay sort of analysis videos. Uh, we tend to do those pretty sporadically as well. So all available there and all the past sort of videos that we've done and deck techs all so all available there but anyway brendan uh where to next what was what's that <laughs> smell that smell pretty hot out here in texas i don't know what it's like over in australia i'm assuming it's a bit more chilly because i see your uh, quarter zip as they say doesn't mean we can't fire up that barbie we run that thing 12 months out of the year 365 let's go ahead and take us in yeah Got a command quick out question from the Patreon Discord this week from Adam P. Um, 
And Brendan, I wanted to bring this question to the grill to just revisit something that we actually have touched on previously. Uh, but I think it was in a it was in a mailbag like a, maybe a year ago or nine months ago, and we we briefly talked about it. But but Adam asked a pretty pointed question about this. So uh, they say in previous card games I've played, example Android Netrunner, qualifying players would get buys round one. Would this work in Flesh and Blood? I know you've spoken in the past about hoping to just get through the early rounds so you only have to tick and worry about the competitive decks. Would you? Would round one or even day one buys warp the meta? How would you hand them out for invitation or open events? PCI, XP, ELO. Uh, what about qualifying event winners? How mm. could this work? Uh, yeah, so I don't know too much about the sort of cascading effect of implementing this, if it adds more rounds or whatever it is. Um, but let's say that all else is equal if you do this. Um, it would be both ELO and certain events right so a big one for me is there's usually they'll do a friday event um which right now there's not a lot of incentivation to go to and on top of that it's just like the friday event is so much harder than saturday logistically for work and things like this so i just wish that you know if if possible there could be some way to reward the people who play in that event and potentially win it while there is some rewards you know usually some boxes or maybe like a promo or something um if that directly led into a buy in one of the early rounds, um, or at least at the very least, maybe just you're prioritized for the buy if it does happen in round one or something like that for the actual professional event that happens on Saturday, I think that'd be great. I think there'd be a lot of high, just kind of high caliber players and it'd be a very competitive event on Friday. Um, on top of that, based off ELO, if this was possible, and again, this is all else remaining equal and there not being some sort of negative cascading effect to you implementing early buys to higher ranked players, um, I do think that based off ELO, if you were to implement the system, that, uh, yeah, they should get early round buys. Like, that'd be a great incentivization program. Currently, ELO is net zero incentivization. <laughs> um, hopefully, in the future, it will lead you to invites and things like this. But on top of that, if you were able to get these quality of life um, sort of bonuses at tournaments i think that would be great uh but like i said hey now we'll defer to you in the sense of my my ignorance toward this topic and some of the the effect whatever the additional things or additional negative possible effects from this could be yeah. whether it's longer tournaments or just whatever bs it could be sure i mean first of all that is not that uh it wouldn't impact the length of an event um because you still have the same amount of players you just have these first round buyers so it shouldn't impact it basically at all uh two round three round buyers still um but the the interesting thing i think is that i i agree with you like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it if you're gonna implement buyers i think you need a a play-in system somewhere around an event so either like the friday before or uh something that i i like that magic used to do it helps local stores as well as you have these um although maybe we have too many local events that that this could be an issue i guess but used to have these like trial events basically which is you know in the month lead up to the event say uh anywhere from yeah say like say anywhere from eight to four weeks before the event they run these events in store usually one store gets one event and uh you get two buys if you win the event so you get round one round two buy if you win, win these events and, and multiple stores could run these and then there'd be ratings based uh things like this and then you could also potentially have on like the friday you know these kind of last chance trials where you can can pick up your buyers uh, which does like you say i think add an interesting event to the friday um so in terms of like adam's question on execution that's how i would look at execution uh then i think you've got to look at like what the impact of these things are so one of the things you talked about is like having this a big event on a friday is like you know you 
provide incentive for players to go and sort of grind this out and play it and, and be there on the Friday. Um, I agree. I don't know if that's a good thing though. Like, I think whether you, whether or not you uh, want just a fun event on Friday, which personally I think it's it's great that you have these kind of more fun fun events on a Friday. But I do agree it doesn't necessarily drive as much traffic and drive as much um, uh, hype and excitement for the Friday event. You know that aside, that I think that's probably personal preference. What it does mean is that people potentially need to take or feel like they have to take uh, more leave, be into a city earlier, pay an extra night for a hotel, all these different things to make sure they can still try and be competitive because really you're putting yourself at a disadvantage to not start the event with two buyers, right? Or one buyer, whatever it is. So you want to be as competitive as possible and give yourself every single edge. And uh, that does mean both financial and time requirements to do that. So it's just another added thing in my eyes of things you have to do. So I'd be more in favor of if you're going to wheel out that system for a Friday that you have a robust system around it, which would be ways to do this with like some, you know, some in-store events prior to, to, to give out some buys uh, and also an, an ELO system, like you say. And then, you know, you probably have, I, I think even for Magic at some events, I remember there being like 10% of like the field having around one buy. Like it wasn't that crazy to see that uh, because of like professional uh, buyers based on rating for pro players and then also just winners of these sort of trial events. So, uh, and it, it seemed to work fine, to be honest. Um, so that is one way to approach it, I think. What does it kind of mean for the, the game itself and kind of where you are in an event? The one thing I'll say, Brendan, is that I think that having to run into an event round one and potentially facing whatever it might be to calling is one of the most interesting things about heading to an open event. And I do agree, like Adam said, you know, as you hit down the event, sort of you, you get through the earlier rounds. We have talked about that before. And with the buyers, yeah, sure, that is easier to get through the earlier rounds, right? In theory, you know, if you have two first round, you know, round one, round two buy, uh, maybe you're going to dodge the sort of rogue deck because, you know, maybe they don't run as well. They they play the bigger decks and they struggle, but maybe they were there to prey on a deck that you're playing and, and they get paired up against you in the early rounds and they take advantage of that. And I do think you kind of lose some of that. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this on whether we need... I think right now we don't need buyers in open events. I just don't think there's any reason for it. I definitely don't want to see buyers in invitation events because, you know, Nationals, a uh, a Worlds, a Pro Tour, uh, any of these invitation events, they're already invitation events. I think that's that's part of all those players are there. I think the only place I'd like to see buyers potentially in the future and probably only round one, max round two, would be open events. But for now, I think we don't need it personally. Yeah, I agree with the open events versus invite only events for sure. Um, like, I don't, I think in the most extreme case, like, uh, yeah, I don't think you could give even some of the highest ranked players in the world on ELO that have grinded, you know, the most and have accrued those points, uh, buys at things like nationals or potentially like round one for pro tour. No. Um, but yeah, it does change. <laughs> like, if I, from a competitive standpoint, or from a sorry, from a strategic standpoint, if I could acquire buys in round one and two, I don't know if it would change what deck I would bring, but it just dramatically changes the sort of I don't know the outlook of my tournament because like for instance, when we played Kano at the Pro Tour, like it was we we all collectively knew how dangerous it would be to lose round one because we're like okay, if you end up in the losers meta with Kano you're probably not coming back, right? There's going to be a lot of Prism out there. There could be a lot of just like random decks back then. We were less comfortable into Arcane Barrier. So it's like, there could be a lot of Arcane Barrier down there. And all of those things were true. Um, so if I, I would have been a lot more comfortable walking into that tournament with two buys, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, is what it is. And yeah, it, it's, I don't know how much, if it would have a, if it would have a huge impact, but I would definitely, 
I would want to accrue those buys. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's just a little out of scope at the moment while we are still kind of small. But as we progress, I think it's something they can explore. I like it as an incentivization program for ELO because that is a real legitimate incentive. Like that is good. It's not a promo. It's not some money. It's not even an invite that goes and gets stacked with like all of your other invites because maybe you have like two, three, four, five Um which is only a small subset of people, but it'll be more and more later. Uh, like this is a this is a real tangible benefit that you're going to want at these kind of tournaments if you show up, um, and it's massive quality of life at that. So, yeah, um, if it was implemented, I think we're congruent, Hayden, on how we think it should work. Yeah, I, I just think as well this idea that there's so many other things happening at a just in in the game at a competitive level at a semi-competitive level uh even at a store level so to try and bring something else right now just doesn't feel right you know with road to national season with pro quest seasons with um you know callings as well it's it's tough to then bring in something else uh in terms of adam's other question would it warp the meta i, I don't think it would um maybe but maybe you know you get this slight thing i just talked about with sort of you know these rogue decks that maybe you don't pair into round one or one or two and uh, that can, but it shouldn't change the meta. It just changes, I guess, the uh, probably the likelihood that a player with those buyers pairs into those decks. To be honest, that's that's all it changes. So, Mike, I'd say no, it wouldn't warp the meta, but it would have some impact on what we see uh, potentially. But mostly through the fringe decks potentially doing well. So, yeah, yeah, great question, Adam. Um, glad we revisited it. I think we're pretty similar to where we were previously. When we talked about this nine months ago. I think I've come more off of this idea i was really keen to never put anything on friday that wasn't just fun and you know this big event for people to enjoy like a, a world premiere or uh, a team's event or something like that but more and more i came around to the idea that as we go down and, and the game matures and the calling series matures that you know you can use that friday as potentially something else other than what it is currently but I, I do really enjoy the fact that you know or maybe i will show up on a friday and play a team's event or maybe you know it's not going to work for me and i just get there on the friday evening whatever you know that that flexibility and choice right now is great which um maybe that gets taken away for some players if they feel they have to go for those buyers but yeah I have if a, you want to get your questions in oh, oh yeah. i just want to quickly remark on that because i have a I, I like slightly dis i disagree in the sense that like i don't think that that's a reason why there shouldn't be events right on that because it's like there you as like the player feel like well, i'm you, not saying it's a reason but you I have to give my personal opinion. yeah but i know i was thinking about it's like i probably still wouldn't go because it's so freaking inconvenient but yeah i I don't know. I would like those events to be more more competitive, especially like the team events. Like then there could actually be a reason for us to show up as a team and compete in these things because there's not a lot of team events. Maybe there will be moving forward, but yeah, it, it is nice that we don't have to go to that Friday. But if they implemented it, I would not be I would not be angry, and I probably still wouldn't play them because they are so inconvenient. I've gone to every Friday. I mean, uh, for me, it's just the pure uh, being in the, that environment, being in the atmosphere, and enjoying and, and playing some some more casual flesh and blood turn my mind off for what's coming this weekend and, and just play whatever and i personally really enjoy that so yeah i mean everyone's gonna have different viewpoints right like obviously me and you have two very different viewpoints on that um maybe if i start to go to more callings i would have to ditch the friday but you know it's not i guess we're in different environments where you know you have a calling multiple times a year a mm -hmm. couple of hours flight away whereas you know i might have one max so i'm gonna make the most of that uh sort of sort of three days so good problem yeah, to have on my end exactly <laughs> Uh, very different. So yeah, if you want to get your mind and cookout questions in, uh, you can do so any which way you like. You can drop a YouTube comment below. Let us know it is a command and cookout question. You can, uh, if you're a Patreon, drop it on the Discord channel for command and cookout questions. You can tweet at us, DM us, email us at arsenalpowersfab at gmail.com. Whatever you like to do, you can do it. 
anyway, Brendan, should we move into the main topic? Let's do it. What, uh, what's, what, what's your first take, Hayden? I kind of gave mine in the opening in the opening sequence here. I think people have, uh, have picked up on my sentiment, which I'll dive more into. I'll talk more about it. Let's get the Hayden Dale. What, what's Hayden Dale feeling right now? Yeah, trying to flip the script on me because this is I, I wrote these notes and I, my first question to you was going to be what is your thoughts about a non-scheduled banning? I already gave them uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was saying goodbye to Stubby Hammer, so I will, I will chime in with what I think. So, I mean, yes, first of all, this main topic is, uh, you know, I've very wittily called this episode Ban Hammerers, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, and we are talking about the ban, of course, and the impact on Class Constructed as we head towards all of the remaining Class Constructed events before August 30th and before the end of the season, before we roll into Nationals. So, of course, just want to recap, we do have multiple Battle Hardens coming. We do have uh, the Calling Singapore, Calling Lil, and, of course, PT Lil. So, yeah, Brendan, my first impressions is, I, to be honest, I just was, uh, at first I was like, wow, that's... I literally just finished a, a few games uh, with Sartre, a bit of a small testing session, jumped off the call, 30 seconds later saw it like someone had sent me a message about it <laughs> and was just like, okay, I was not expecting this. I mean, it's an unscheduled band announcement, right? Why would you ever expect this? Yeah, and we um, have a scheduled one that's not that far away. So like, you, I mean, there was a, there was a lot of reasons to not expect this. I 100% agree with you. It was very surprising. So yeah, it's so surprised. But in terms of the the announcement coming, like the timing and, and just being dropped like that. In terms of Stubby Hammers being banned, not not surprised really. I think um, the card clearly enables very powerful combo play, right? Which is and from very early turns because you don't require much setup because your setup was on the board with this deck, right? It's yeah. your it's your equipment. It's your three pieces of equipment. It's like playing Kano, you know, but you don't have to draw any cards. It's just like pop my equipment. It's ridiculous. I mean, you do. That's a. I mean, you do have Ragamuffin's hat and Stormstriders, but it's like it's like also having the blazing, or like the wildfire or the blazing, also on the board. Yeah, what it's like, so I would dumb. say. So it's a it's a little bit different. Um, I do agree. Uh, but you know, so so, so yeah. I mean, in terms of the actual announcement stuff, not a surprise. The announcement coming was surprised about. Uh, I guess my my thought process after it all kind of settles is, I think this is, and we're going to get into this. I think this is probably a good shake up to the meta before we head into the end of this competitive season in terms of what it does. Uh, but what it leaves me with is just kind of this idea of, is the living i guess sorry the banner restricted announcement now purely for and these scheduled ones i'm talking about purely for an update to the living legion system and if anything comes up where you know there's something that feels too powerful the meta feels like it's going to shift before a big event we're just going to get an unscheduled announcement i will now not be surprised if we just continue to get unscheduled announcements and i'm not sure i feel happy about that to yeah. be honest but it's it's weird because in this instance i think it it really works i think it's correct i think what has happened has left me feeling positive Overall, even though I feel a little about bit negative the game about, or about the, the studio, right? Like the everything, every okay. to be honest, everything. everything. Like oh, the, wow. yeah, like because well, overall, overall, I do feel a little bit negative about getting just completely out of the blue unscheduled announcement, which again makes things tough. At least last time before PT, um, before the PT, we knew we were going to get this announcement. We knew the date. They said here is an announcement that's coming on this date. This time we didn't get this announcement, right? So that that feels worse. But in some ways, for some reason, I just I just feel that this made sense i uh, i really can't explain why yeah. but i'm less maybe it's because i'm primed now after this like i'm just yeah i wasn't uh, stockholm that syndrome you've just been abused for so long with this so here's here's my little tagline is uh is i think that it was a good change to the game but it was a bad decision like and i could be getting a little jaded but i feel like that that whole ban fiasco with pt1 that sucked and also the format sucked 
Um, I think that we got to play a sort of atypical deck, which was very nice, right? And if we didn't do that, I would not look back on it as fondly. So I, I think that I have a bit of a bias looking back at PT1 and actually having fun at it. Other than that, like, Starvo was still freaking Starvo, and it was still Chain, and then there was, like, some, you know, some other decks kind of running around. This, I'm getting a little jaded with this this whole thing, right? Like, we, we have a plan. We have some abandoned announcements, you know, and then it's just, like, out of the blue. And it's always, like, so close to the event. I know, Hayden, you mentioned this on Twitter. You're like, oh, I didn't have a deck. I don't know why you guys are all locked. It's still pretty It's still pretty irritating, right? Like, we're still putting in yeah. massive amounts of time. We're testing, like, every day. And it's just, like, they... And, this is this is not this this change it's one card but it's a pretty big change right like the meta was definitely warped around fine and i don't think that was a good thing and that deck was miserable like that deck was one of the more powerful decks i think that has existed in this game it, it but like probably it might have been able to be hated you know the the jury was definitely not out on that well, deck. definitely could yeah on that deck being able could. to be successful in an open field but god dang like dude with the 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 last minute bans and the last minute just artificial shakeups like it's getting pretty frustrating as from a from like a professional perspective um like i i don't think that it's like the studios behaving professionally and treating us like with integrity to like looking at these events like it's it's pretty frustrating like there's an argument here that i i can't put much merit to because i don't think it's necessarily fair where it's like yeah they probably should have seen this coming like it's pretty obvious uh, you know, they banned Stubby Hammers and Blitz, like, already. Like, this, they obviously knew about this deck. And, yeah, still, we ended up in this situation. Nevertheless, I, I don't know if that if this ban should have actually occurred. Um, I don't think the jury was out on fire, although the deck was miserable and was going to hate out a massive amount of decks. And, like, I think there was going to be a lot of decks that were going to be unplayable. Which is, But it's f relatively fine. I mean, we, that's been a lot of flesh and blood. Like, Starvo did the same thing, where there was, like, there was decks that targeted Starvo, and then there was, like, 70% of heroes, which, like, literally didn't function against him. I think it would have been pretty similar to Fi, but I don't think that Fi's dominance was actually assured. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, I'm irritated getting this this last minute again. Um, and it, it, it really really like bothers me as i look forward to future professional events and i consider you know um testing significantly in advance developing these uh sort of longer term macro uh you know testing plan strategies and maybe you know having people fly out or we going you know renting a testing house to get this kind of stuff done um yeah it just makes me a lot pretty unsure about all that stuff um so yeah, I, I don't know if you feel any of that, Hayden, or if you empathize with that side of it, but that's kind of my takeaway. And like I said, if I can just bring it back to base level, I think that it's a good change, but a bad decision. Yeah, I just almost forgot that you had a positive at the start there, to be honest. Uh, look, no, I, I can I can definitely empathize and I completely agree with parts of, of that. And I, like I said, overall, I feel positive about what we've seen in the past few days, but there is definitely negative impacts and you, you listed a lot of them, you know, in terms of time spent, time out from, uh, I guess, how far out we are from an event, any given event. Um, also, you know, let's bear in mind, people are going to play a battle hunt this weekend. People are going to play a calling the following weekend. You know, like these people are just as impacted. Like it's it's not just, I guess, the players who are going to be at Pro Tour level. It's so many players who are going to be impacted by this position, even to, you know, card availability and, 
and the ability to test. People have schedules, right? People are putting things in place. Even, you know, say say you're going to play Battle Hardened up in, I believe it's Portland this weekend. Um, or is it next weekend? There's a Battle Hardened in Portland coming in the next two weeks. Uh, you know, you're on your way to play that. You've booked in. You're going to go. You've got your fire deck ready to go. You don't have much time to test over the next two weeks. So you kind of locked into this deck. That's what you're playing. And all of a sudden this happens, right? And it's like, wow, this is like literally two weeks out from me traveling to this event um, that I've put a lot of effort into and really want to go and, and do well. And that's a that's not that doesn't feel good, obviously. Um, going back to the format piece, because I think that's the biggest piece I'm just thinking about when you were talking that's making me, that has made me feel positive about this is I think Alice has learned a lot from the Star of the Show banning and I'll explain and Star of the Show banning, the, the ban and restricted announcement that came around Star of the Show at the start of the month prior to the Pro Tour, because that ban and restricted felt, uh, it felt panicked. It felt like, uh, we know this design of this hero is, is, is bad and we don't want to ban the hero because then you're banning a hero from the game. We want to get it to Living Legend. So instead, we remove these cards that, in the end, didn't do much to the hero. You know, we saw it's still the most played hero at the Pro Tour. Uh, same at the Calling. You know, the, the impact was changes the, the, the game a little bit in terms of, like, some decks that were maybe terrible into it and maybe playable, possibly, but not really. It didn't change much. This feels like a real wholesale change to impact i guess the the feel of the format the enjoyability of the format and to open it up to where it potentially should be anyway uh i do agree i think in terms of the stubby hammers thing i think if i you said you don't buy into that conversation that's actually one i do buy into i think if the if the studio knew about this already and were banning it in uh in blitz and we saw they knew about it already because they published it in the article yeah. to say they knew about this the deck reached maturity of where they thought it could be and then they've made the ban just make the ban announcement beforehand, I think. You know, like, don't, you know, you avoid all this. This conversation wouldn't be happening, right? We wouldn't even be sat here uh, debating whether it's a, a net negative or a net positive because it wouldn't be coming up. It just would have been, hey, this card is too powerful with an interaction coming. We've decided to ban this piece of common equipment. People would move on. You know what I mean? But it's um, now you get this where you get a lot of start to question the decisions being made with weeks out from events, et cetera, et cetera, and it starts to feel not so good. Yeah, it's just like who's driving here, you know. I've been saying for a freaking while, but uh, it's just like we're getting these compounding, just uh, really oddball decisions um, that are are throwing me off. Like I, I thought that they would have learned the lesson from that ban announcement in PT one because I thought it was a disaster. Like I also thought it felt panicked, but you know the impact on the meta I don't think was exactly what they were going for there. It was kind of just frustrating overall, and uh, yeah, I just thought it was pretty stupid. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I didn't so think they would do it again. From. Well, that's my point. Another last minute ban? Like, uh, I don't know. I think you're right where they didn't ban, like, they didn't forego banning stubby hammers and went and banned, like, I don't know, like one of the zero cost head jabs. Yeah, like they're just like, he has less head jabs now, so it's not as bad. Something stupid like that. Like, yes, I agree with you there. Um, but still. <laughs> Obviously, they knew about the freaking card. They banned it in Blitz beforehand, and I don't know. Uh, I feel like we're sort of on the same page, but yeah, I maybe disagree with, like, I lost, I feel like I lost more confidence in the studio with this announcement rather than gained. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. I think, um, I guess my, my, my net positive that I talked about before is the fact that I feel a lot better about what we're going to see over the next four weeks of Class Constructor play than I did prior to it. Like, I, I actually feel that uh, the Stubby Hammer's Fire combo deck it was not enjoyable to play against because mm -hmm. the the time frame on it was so short, literally could kill you on turn one, turn two, turn three, pretty pretty easily. Uh, but I do think it was a bit of a glass cannon. I do think there were ways to hate it out. I think Bravo was a miserable matchup uh, for that deck, and you didn't even have to you know 
take your Bravo deck too hard, to be honest. Um, and people said, oh, you can play Sync Blows and you can do this. Okay, cool. If you're playing cards that aren't your combo pieces, Bravo's <laughs> happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine but yeah i mean the the actual kind of i guess the potency of that deck was was uh, uh not enjoyable i would say but anyway that that aside i want to go back to the question that i kind of had and my kind of feeling and see how you feel about this do you think we're now in a place where a scheduled ban and restricted announcement means nothing more than to announce living legend status uh yeah it, it i i honestly I'm trying to like look back in myself and think about the potential emotion that I actually had tied to that event and I can't see anything. So I actually think that I never trusted the fidelity of that event. Like if it was, if that was actually going to be how banner restriction announcements works, I don't even look at that date. Like I let you and Sasha tell me if that date is going to be relevant for like upcoming testing. And if the answer is no, I don't even think about it because it doesn't matter. Right. Because multiple times throughout the, throughout the history of this game, it's like outside of living legend, they just went and freaking banned it without that announcement. Um, so I, I, and maybe I've just gotten too jaded. Right. But, the, to sh answer your question in a short way, no, I, I, I don't think that the scheduled ban and restrictions matter. And yes, I do think they will mostly be used for announcing living legend status, unless there's enough negative feedback or constructive feedback, that's important, to tell them to, hey, can you please stop doing this right before Pro Tours? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that is the piece of it. But yeah, it's so hard because I think the flip side, right, is you don't, Ban. So I have a question for you, but I want to say this first mm -hmm. and ask you on this one. So the, the flip side is you don't ban Stubby Hammers, right? And you go into this, this again, not just the Pro Tour, Battle Harden, multiple Battle Hardens, two callings and a Pro Tour with this current format. Is that good? Are we, is, that, is that better yeah. than the alternative? So the thing is like we, I think that we're jumping the gun a little bit too much and assuming that the format without that is actually like way better. Um, I would say that, you know, my first thought would be that yes, it is because the five deck was very impressive um but it could not be right like it could just be more of a viscerai format or more of a briar format and you're like oh well old him fits into that well if there's a strategy that sort of someone figures out to beat the slower decks that are trying to play on those rune blades it already kind of smashes prism and smashes the other aggro decks then we're back at this sort of uh, a similar kind of uh, kind of format in the end maybe it's not a combo deck but it's still these oppressive linear aggro decks that are you know making you have an answer and i don't know if that's where we are but we could very well be there and then no it's not really a better format um and but like like you said like i really do agree with you the five was kind of a glass cannon like yeah <laughs> like you played bravo into that you're just like oh god i kind of lose here or like there was some ice lexi decks like the really ice ones that it was also pretty miserable uh, i'm sure insidious I, chill yeah like and i never played against icelander or anything like that but uh, i'm assuming that that was pretty bad it's just like i said maybe couldn't beat anything else um but yeah i mean it's a weird spot, and I think that we're putting too much fidelity on, like, this format is better, because we don't know yet, and uh, the the fact of the matter is that the Rune Blades are going to come back now. Like, the Rune Blades are back on top, back where they belong, <laughs> where they've always been. So, yeah, I think it's very likely to be... I think that they're going, like, they are on top of the meta. Like, those are the decks that you are answering, right? We'll, right? we'll get to the meta, I, I think. We'll get, we'll get to the meta. So, the, the answer to that question, I guess, is right now, unsure, right? Don't yeah. know. Um, what would LSS have done had one more person won a road to nationals and uh, Prism reached a thousand living legend status points? What well, would they have done? I don't know. I don't know. Because if they made this announcement, right, presumably if they decided to do this emergency ban, they would also have to have living legend Prism because it's at 
the points, right? The points threshold. So <laughs> conspiracy theory, put your tinfoil head on, Brendan. Did uh, did Alice pay someone in a finals uh, to count? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's in all seriousness. That's uh, I'm happy Prism true. is a deck. Um, I know that we have talked a lot, or I've talked a lot of crap about Prism's win rates in the past, based off statistics, literally just statistics. Oh, you're about to you're about to hear some facts later yeah. on. This, uh, but I actually am so happy that that deck exists. Like, I think it's a great deck to check the meta and keep the meta healthy. I think when it rotates out, I'm actually pretty concerned. Um, but Prism's in a great place right now. Um, you have a deck that you have a sort of archetype of decks that you actively just dunk on. And then you kind of just have to solve your your matchup against, you know, the aggro decks. And you could have a really powerful choice on your hands. Yeah. So I, anyone out there, what do you think? <laughs> Question to the the audience. What would LSS have done had uh, had Prism reached a thousand Living Legend status points? What, what would we have done with the stubby hammers? Would we just live? Would they just live the format through? That, that's the question, right? Because would that have been too big a shakeup? It's a really interesting question and, and one that I haven't seen many people ask. But like, I assume that if they had decided to do an emergency ban and restrict announcement, that triggers Living Legend. That is kind of how it reads to me and and. Um, in the documentation. Can I ask so. you a question, Hayden? So you said before in this main topic already, you said they learned from PT1. What is the mm-hmm. chance that they looked back at PT1 and was like, that was a freaking genius decision? You know how we went in there and we shook up the meta and then there was like Kano's that showed up and there was this kind of diversity in top eight. Like, is there any way that they look back at PT1 and the decisions they made leading up to that regarding the banner restricted lesson was like, success. Or do they see it as an abject, uh, abject failure, which I absolutely do see it as, in case you're listening. Abject failure, please don't do it again. That's funny, because I don't see it as a complete failure. <laughs> oh, God, I think so, it's a failure. So, yeah, yeah sure, that's what, you, that, uh, as you said, but I don't, I don't agree. I, I think it was it, probably negative overall, right? Like, it's not what I wanted to see happen. I wanted to see very different things happen. But in terms of, I, I think you can't say that it didn't have some success coming out of it so if you are alice is looking at that and going well look at the top eight that just came into this pro tour like you can't feel awful about that you know what i mean like there is a there is some positive they can take away from that i don't think they sat there clapping themselves in the back saying we did an amazing job of of the ban at pt1 i think they heard the feedback from the community they they listened to the community a lot so i i think that they're not sitting there saying we did an amazing job pat each other on the back pat ourselves on the back but i think they probably walk away and go yep we we learned some things that we we did incorrectly uh, mostly from what I can see with this ban, just around the way that they, what they implemented with with the ban restricted announcements, so what cards they actually took away. Uh, but then I also think that you know they probably, hopefully, have taken on feedback about the time frame. But you know this ban announcement say that maybe they haven't. So that's, I don't know. That, it's hard, right? But without all the information of you know what them sat there being a fly on the wall, listening to them weighing up all the pros and cons of doing this announcement, right? Like in terms of potentially you know the for them the the negatives were too much to not make this emergency sort of change so it's 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 tough to say but yeah I, to your question i don't think they were sat there congratulating themselves and i also don't think they were saying that it was a complete and utter failure i think they were probably somewhere in between for pt1 yeah. it's super interesting i wonder what actually what actually tips them over right to come in and do a ban like this because like starva obviously wasn't enough there's a difference between banning a piece of common equipment banning a hero but like starvo which i thought was a worse play experience than Fi, it was probably less subject to being hated wasn't just banned um and this one kind of just was so i wonder like what it is quantitatively if you could actually define it like that that just kind of tips them over the edge we're like we got to ban this because yeah we'll get into it a little bit more but i do think the deck was actually targetable <laughs> where starvo yeah, was like i was like oh, maybe i'll play prism <laughs> 
Yeah, like literally that. Yeah, that that's. But that also feel felt the same after the ban. Yeah, to me, yeah, to be yeah. I agree. Let let me um let me leave you with something, and I want to leave this with uh, all of our Arsenal past listeners out there. Is a little bit of a thought about the timeframes because I've thought pretty hard about this, and I think it's something that makes me feel a little bit less um in a bad mind frame this time around with the timeframes. Is that uprising to road to nationals season? So road to national season is four weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, five weeks this time, but there's, there's, you know, there was literally two weeks between release and road to national starting. And then you have this road to national season. I think in LSS's eyes, and I think they probably need to communicate this a lot maybe clearly to, so that uh, I guess us as a community's players feel this, that is the season. I think making this ban and restrict announcement after the season's finished, that to them is the season finishing. And then you still have three weeks before the Pro Tour and calling them a little two and a half three weeks before so what three and a half weeks and two and a half three weeks before singapore i think to them that is the logical step to take in terms of a break in the season of when to make this announcement and i I just want people to sort of think about that and see how they feel about it because i i do honestly think actually thinking more about it that is lss's approach they've gone okay road to nationals is over that's the end of the road to national season if we're going to make any changes based on these results we're going to reflect on all the data and what's sat here and how the community is reacting to this uh and what we feel based on power level is we're going to make the change right now this is the logical time to do it between this and the next season so i think do away with sets as a season it's events as a season so road to national season is over now we're going to head into the pro tour little season the callings and the pro tour little season and i think that's what it is honestly that's what i think they're thinking could be um, two points, <clears throat> and they con- they kind of contrast each other. Uh, one is that it could be too myopic to look at to sort of judge this band from the view of only looking at the pro tour, which is what you know someone like me I is agree. kind of doing, I right? Massively agree. A lot of players yep. that don't play in the pro tour, and that's probably it could not be their main concern. Um, if it is, like you said, if it is based off seasons and things like that, I know for me as a player, like I think that sucks, but. That's because I'm trying to prepare for pro tours. I'm trying to win them. Um, if I wasn't, it wouldn't really bother me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's like kind of two points there. Where like, obviously, the one is more from the player that's going to the PT, and then, but at the same time, you could just be wrong because you're you're focusing so much on your own individual event, which doesn't affect the larger player base of flesh and blood. Which I'm sure that this deck was just absolutely dunking on pe- on casual events, <laughs> which is honestly probably why they were quicker to ban it. Yeah, yeah, play experience, and I think they've got to really nurture the install play experience. So, yeah. Anyway, something to think about. Food for thought. Let us know your thoughts in the comments on how you feel about. I guess <laughs> does what I say make sense? Does it make no sense? How do you actually feel about the span restrict announcement as well, and the time frames and the changes made? Um, because I feel like I'm seeing less discourse this time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Brendan, let's get in and talk about the class constructor meta. So, I want to ask you. A question first which is what do you think the overall impact of the subbies ban is i think you've kind of already said that with rune blades i think you know you said that but what about uh what, how do you think the meta reacts initially yeah. so we've got battle hard in portland i just checked the dates in two weeks time so what do you think the kind of initial reaction to the meta is well we should just break down like what it actually what the, what this ban actually means or what we think it means and i think what i think this is is like phi i know i think the phi is no longer like a combo deck um i think it's just an aggro deck is it still very strong Yes, I think it is still very strong. Um, is it the bet? Is it the number one aggro attack? I don't think so, but time will tell. So I think it's competing with the Rune Blades for that spot for the linear aggressive deck of the format. Um, so that's the big change. So at the same time, I think there's going to be some decks that suffer from that. Potentially Bravo, right? Bravo was sort of a 
becoming potentially a breakout because of how much it preyed on this deck and it does have game into um uh, you know some of the rune blades as well prism was getting more hated out prism was a miserable matchup in the fi so i think the prism comes back maybe bravo goes out oldham stays in his weird niche where he tries to beat the rune blades but then kind of has this really bad matchup in the prism um and we kind of go back to that meta i felt like we had in road to nationals a little bit yeah potentially i think that's um that's interesting and <laughs> good segue into Let's talk a bit about the final two weeks of Road to Nationals. So we had Michael Hamilton join us two weeks ago to talk about weeks one to two of Road to Nationals and the data that we, we had off the back of that and, and kind of how the meta was shaping up and what was happening with Uprising, you know, being fairly new at that point, now a bit more mature. We've had two more weeks of Road to Nationals as well as, of course, uh, these Battle Hardens calling Utrecht. Um, and so a bit more to go off, of course, the kind of story of, of, of Utrecht was was this fire deck, right, was the breakout of that. But there's more around that as well. There's also these two weeks of Road to Nationals where we actually saw a shift in the metagame, not just with fire. So I do just kind of want to start, Brennan, and talk a bit about that. So in uh, the first two weeks, we talked about how, you know, the most played decks were Briar, then Fire, then Prism, then Viscerite. Right? And then Dixie. Those are kind of like the top five most played decks uh, in terms of like the, the win percentage. Viscerite was, was topping the charts. Uh, then Briar and Prism. Fire was actually quite quite low at fourth, uh, mm-hmm. only like a 10% win rate, and then Lexi sort of below that. So then you look at the shift between what happens in week one and two and weeks three and four, and there is a pretty sizable shift. So Fire does become the most popular hero in the last weeks of Rotanations. I think not surprising, right? You know, uh, Utrecht's in there, a lot of discussion about how Fire's doing, and of course Stubby Hammer is these builds rising to the top. Um, and a lot of, you know, something like Briar really takes a drop off on most played deck. I think it becomes the fourth most played deck, uh, sort of similarly in line with, with Lexi, but Viscerai and Prism uh, are, are much more played. Um, and even Dromai actually, Dromai ends up being more played than <laughs> than, than Briar, which is really interesting wow. uh, as we head to sort of, yeah, as we head in the last two weeks of, of the, uh, the Road to Nationals meta. In terms of like what that meant for, I guess, what did well i mean when you look at what made the top eight a fairly similar representation to play to what made top eight so uh prism had a slight uptick but fire was still the most dominant deck it was like nearly 20 percent of of decks in top eight and then prism was about 11 percent of decks in top eight up from about nine percent of of those played uh so a little bit of a shift drone actually converted pretty well into top eights um and briar had a slight uptick in top eights as well as viscerai and you saw things like lexi and and um unfortunately some of the guardians drop a little bit Brendan, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to lead into in terms of what this metagame might look like. Looking at the winner's metagame. So Fire took a bit of a drop off in the winner's metagame. When you look at the last two weeks of Road to Nationals, went from about 17% of the sort of share of play in top eight to about 14% of the deck's winning events. Now, that was good enough for equal second with Viscerai. Viscerai had an uptick from about that sort of, you know, ticked up and played to top eight conversion to win conversion. So it has a pretty, pretty sizable, nice conversion rate, up to 14% as well. But over one-fifth of the winning decks in weeks three to four were Prism. Prism had a 21% win share uh, from a 9% sort of uh, rate of showing up at events. So a really big slice of the pie of wins in weeks three to four, um, with Briar also sort of sneaking in there at fourth. <laughs> What's your thoughts on, on this kind of shift? Like a really big shift to where Prism was in weeks one and two. Uh, and also, you know, Viscerai about the same. Five about the same, Briar about the same, but you know, this 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 massive uptick in Prism. <clears throat> Listen, I'll acknowledge the data, but the answer is I have no idea. Like I, I have no idea how Prism is making that kind of jump in terms of conversion rates, uh, especially <laughs> to actually be winning these events. Um and at the height of Phi. So I have no idea, but I think that, you know, 
if I was going to impart any value on the listeners, it's that Prism stock from this band has only gone up. So if it was doing well before, I think that, I mean, if it's a deck you're thinking about, I think it's a legit pick for the Pro Tour. Powerful. Prism's really powerful. I mean, I just want to, i kind of done with numbers here, and I just want to talk about the meta with you a little bit. But before I, before I wrap up my numbers segment, I do just want to talk about what the in the final two weeks of Road to Nationals, what the actual win conversion was for these heroes. Because I did say, you know, I gave you the sort of stats of what the breakdown was of win shares, but the win conversion. So off the prism showing up, you know, uh, 21% of them are, are winning. That's... <laughs> uh, sorry, no, that was... that. Sorry, no, 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 no I got that wrong. 12% of them are winning. 12% of them are winning. 30% of them converting to top eights. Uh, uh, sorry, 46% of them converting to top eights. Uh, 12% of them are winning. So that's a that's a really big win conversion rate it's the highest i mean what's next highest uh briar's around seven percent ultim's around seven percent viscerize six percent i mean fire was sitting at around what's that four and a half percent so you know the, this win share and and granted you know there's there's local metas and i think the sample size of these events in the last two weeks there, there's a reasonable amount of events but in terms of like sample size to really back the starter it's it's not where it needs to be you know you'd need a lot more events than this just that's just statistically true but I do think it's a really interesting representation and shows how this meta's kind of shifted. And I kind of agree with you. I don't necessarily know what it is other than Prism is powerful. We saw a lot of uptick of decks like Dromai. Uh, we did see slight upticks in both the Guardians showing mm -hmm. up, you know, to, in theory to, con to sort of combat Fi and, and Runeblades potentially. And we did see a drop off of a deck like Briar, right? Which is traditionally probably the worst matchup for you or has been the worst matchup for you. You know, granted Fi there now. But a deck like Viscerai, in my experience, is not that bad a matchup for Prism, and with that growing in share as well, it just feels like, actually, if you dig into the data a little bit, it does make sense that Prism uh, did improve to this extent. You know, that is a little bit surprising, um, but I just, I think it just shows the raw power of what this deck can do. It's really hard for almost any deck, you know, turn one or turn zero, double aura, it's, it, you know, it's tough. It's a tough proposition to, to start the game with. For sure. I mean, <clears throat> regarding Prism, I mean, that, that's really, that's really all I have to say about it. it it's it it defies odds it's been consistently successful which is probably why it's getting close to being living legend <laughs> so it's a solid pick it's a solid pick uh as briar comes back into the format potentially um maybe it'll be a bit harder but i have seen prism thrive and briar in just i don't know briar infestations like back when i was at the ohio tournament so uh the deck defies odds um unfortunately my the other deck that you know, I like to impart nice words on Bolton does not defy odds, and that is a bad pick for the Pro Tour. Bolton is a terrible hero. Yeah, you heard it here first. Brennan is playing Bolton at the Pro Tour. People so would be so pissed. What, could you imagine? They would be. You would. I think you'd be cancelled, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure why. It'd probably just be bringing dishonor on the name of Bolton, to be honest, <laughs> if you played it. Um, what is the impact of Prism then? So we, we, let's just let's extrapolate to the next four weeks. What, what starts to happen? Because we talked about, you know, you talked about Runeblades are back, you know, Weeders, Guardians. But what, like, based on these pure numbers of what we're seeing, Ultim, uh, sorry, Prism is clearly a lot more popular and, and, and it should be because it's doing well, right? So it's going to see more of an uptick. What is the actual impact of Prism on this? Does Prism now define this meta and not fire? Oh, I don't think, I feel like Prism never defines a meta, to be honest. Um, mm, you say that. Nah, but I'm, I actually, I, I think it's been successful, right? But I don't think it ever defined the meta. It was always like beating up on something and then kind of had like a bad matchup into the other deck, right? Um, so I don't think it defines the meta. 
But I do think it forces some of these guardians out. Like Bravo's kind of a worse pick, even though I think that Bravo's like better into Prism than um than Ultim is. And you know, if people are gonna be trying to sleeve up Ultim to deal with these Broom Blades, I think the data shows that more people will play Prism, that it's a good pick. Uh so maybe we see a down thick and just guardian overall. Um and I think that's a very reasonable a reasonable thing to extrapolate from this. I think that's fair. I think we saw it already, to be honest. You saw mm-hmm. it in just the the conversion rates to top eights and the, the win shares that Guardians dropped off, um, even though they were there, obviously, to prey on fire. You know, maybe the matchup into something like a, a Viserai, maybe not as, as good as some thought. Maybe people have plans. Prism doing so well is a big part of that. Um, I do just want to... You know, you said that you don't think it has defined a meta. Maybe. I think it has regulated a lot of metas at oh, the very yeah, minimum. yeah, I'd agree uh, with you on that the, one. The start of, yeah, the start of this uprising meta. I mean, this meta, I think, is going to be, if it's not going to be defined by Prism, which I think it could be, uh, I think it's at least going to be regulated by Prism. Um, and I know Prism is like this hero that's like really polarizing. People like love it. And then people have like this massive gripe of like, just living legend Prism. I'm sick of it. It's, it's you know, it's a pain. Um, and I can see that as like, especially if you're a Guardian player, right? Like yeah. just a friggin' nightmare. So um i love the it. impact of prism i think is gonna what's that i just want to say i love it i love it i love what prison <laughs> does because i freaking hate guardian and i hate people who have any margin of success with fatigue which is not all guardian players we have the great michael hamilton on here man is a genius but uh if you literally block with all your cards and that is your game plan i i you deserve to get double ward out of to just out of the game uh okay i wouldn't i don't know if i'll go quite that far but yeah uh it's okay Prism, I will. impact don't. i think it's <laughs> yeah i know you will uh i think the impact for all of the remaining four weeks of events before we get to that next august 30th ban and restrict announcement which is probably you know at this point you'd say it's probably likely that we're gonna see prism hit the living legend at that point i mean it's not like in the road to national season you would say yes you know it's very likely right i think people thought it was gonna be likely coming out of road to national season now it needs to win one of these battle hardens a calling or the PT, and I think in total that's six events because there's so there's a battle hardened. At, I need to check the, the what what events it is. I think there's about six events that this could win. So it's not it's not guaranteed, but I think based on the power and what we're seeing in Prism, it's it's probably likely that it wins one of those now. Yeah, it's hard I, to say. I think so, <laughs> but if I say I think so, then it's not it's not going to happen. Well, you are the you are the spokesperson for all of the light illusionist players out there, as is well known. Uh, you know, you're the you convert. You famously hard claimed into it week zero of the format, and then you just started to absolutely dunk on uh, the the Prism fraternity. And then you you came around. You know, they won you over. You took Prism to Indianapolis, uh, and you know you were you were seen on camera playing it. You had that infamous uh, look at the camera, and you're winning in round with Prism. And and she she did you a little bit dirty apparently, but you know uh, now you are seen as I think one of the light illusionist family brendan so i just didn't like playing the deck when it was so powerful i like to play the underdog deck um i just i can't play the meta deck you know so obviously you, when prism you played it when it was most powerful uh i mean some people <laughs> thought that you know that was a real good counter to chain and you know maybe they were right they won the tournament so who am i to say that that deck sucked in a chain you know anyway anyway we're getting off track here uh <laughs> what about Fi, what what replaces Fi, or is Fi just Fi? You know, like what nah. is now the? So it's, it's weird because it was I would say the premier aggro deck, but it was also the just the most explosive um, combo deck. Like it was a combo deck, it was an aggro deck and a combo deck. Now, so what 
where what replaces what fire was doing in the meta yeah so i don't think that fire replaces fire i think that it's still like a relevant aggro deck um i just think like yeah it was also a combo deck but it was still it was just like way better than the other aggro decks um and i think it was the pick that being said now that it has had this reduction and its power level i think that the rune blades will actually compete with five for that spot and maybe win out right so we will see like five significantly down thick and there's because i really think that in most metas unless like i guess if there's so much prism in a meta because of the banning on scalata like viscerai and briar into prism is like definitely not equal you definitely want to be playing briar and like viscerai is okay um since the banning so that way i think there could potentially be like two legitimate aggro decks in a format but um like i think viscerai or briar potentially went out for that spot and then five kind of fades into like this 1.5 ish area but it's still represented because it's still powerful um and those those combo turns, turns even without stubby are still ridiculous right if you are playing pouncing yeah, yeah, links yeah. um and mask momentum is a good card so i think that i just i think it falls down to like tier 1.5 yeah. Still very, very good, but think, just not the best. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's had a pretty significant nerf. Uh, I think some of this idea of what five, the share of the five meta starts to be taken up by other aggro decks. I'll agree. I think it starts to be taken up by Prism, to be honest. I think Prism starts to eat into what was some of five's share of the pie because it just becomes more appetizing to play this deck that, you know, uh, its worst matchup just got hit a little bit, or one of its worst matchups got hit. Um, I do think five still a contender for one of the best aggro decks in the format. I actually think that like there's a lot of decks so far, and in my testing, a lot of decks that, uh, aggressive decks, that could be viable. They're all really similar in power level. I think they just do slightly different things and attack the meta in slightly different ways and have different benefits and different reasons to play them, depending on what you expect the meta to be and maybe how you tweak and tune them. Uh, I actually think we could see up to like four aggro decks pretty reasonably represented at the, at the next few weeks of events. I wouldn't be surprised. I think between the, the Rune Blades, between Fire, I still think Fire... Mask of Momentum and Shuko, these ongoing effects are still really, really powerful. And now you have this kind of like almost like semi-fridge that you can use with, with Ninja. Like I do think it is good. Um, and then plus, you know, maybe it's something like uh, a, a Dash Aggro or Dorinthia. I think those two, you know, we could see some representation. of There's fringe heroes that do aggressive things I think we're going to start to see come back in because the deck that was just outright faster than did, you know, no matter how they wanted to compete, they wanted to compete on a slightly different aggressive axis, but they just couldn't be fast enough for it to matter. Whereas I think now that changes a bit. So that's, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. The only thing that I can comment on there is Prism. So yeah, like one of your worst matchups comes out of the format uh, in Phi, but it also is being replaced by your literally your worst matchup, which is Briar. Um, so if like, if Briar Doesn't... does come for that spot, I think it's worse for Prism potentially. Yeah, if, if, right? So if, yeah, if, if we, if I say half the fires disappear because they can no longer place Tabby Hammers and those turn into Briar. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's not great for Prison, right? But if, you know, uh, say only a quarter of that turns into Briar, that's, that's, that's quite a big difference, you know, like, especially if people are saying, well, you know, Guardian, uh, maybe does Ultim take like an uptick? Who, who knows? Where does things sit? Where does Prism sit? There's, there's a big shift there. I think it's hard to know what people might go to i would just struggle to say that everyone would just straight move to briar for instance so it's you know some people might move to viscerai some people might move to torinthia to, to, to prism to guardian it's, it's hard to say people will stay with fire because fire is still still uh viable and still strong and still has these impactful cards and ability to still do a combo turn while still just presenting damage and you know things like mask effects or uh doing pouncing links turns so 
what what about this right is he just mr consistent he just seems to be since the scalata ban or even before he just seems to just be around just doing his work just getting about it you look at the results from all four weeks of roads nationals uh slight slightly higher conversion rate than representation rate and just 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 putting work in by the looks of it yeah it's just a good deck especially if you cut out those freaking generics and belittle minnowism you got a solid aggressive deck on your hand um apparently i think Viscerai is a great deck. Is it the deck? I don't know. It's tough to say. But, like, if we talk about pillars of the formats and things that I'm testing against, like, my litmus test for an aggressive deck is definitely against Viscerai. If my aggressive deck can't outrace Viscerai, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> like, I don't think it's a deck that I want to be playing. Um, so, mm. yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good deck, and I think that's gonna it's going to show up in force over the next uh, couple weeks at events. Yeah, I think it's just going to be there. In whatever way, shape, or form people choose to, to play it, I think it's going to be there. Um, I Do I think it'll see a rise? I don't think it's going to see a rise. I think people are going to move to maybe things more like like Briar or Prism, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we just... Viscerai at this point feels like such a known quantity. Like, people know what to expect. They know what's going to show up. Uh, it feels it's kind of the same with Briar. Um, but, you know, if you're expecting an uptick in Prism, which which deck would you rather be on? You know, I think that's what people have to decide. So, and I mean, I think people want to be on Briar. But... You have to decide if that's the right decision based on what the guardians might do. So it's 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 hard to know. Um, what what about the rise in Briar? Like I, I do think you know if you look at the Rhodes National data, Briar actually went the opposite way. So it started higher, it took a dip, you know. But that's I think due to the rise of fire. Do we now see hit the bottom and then come back up yeah. uh, with this meta? Like, I think this is could, the biggest could... winner out of like most decks, right? Like I think that Briar's stock went up to an extent, right? Like I think Briar was suffering potentially like kind of the most. Aside from the irrelevant heroes that are less competitive at this point, uh, like Briar, I feel like the floodgates have really opened for her. Like there was this deck that was kind of keeping her down. She's very powerful in the prism. Is also relatively power into powerful into Guardian because of things like Channel Mount Heroic. Uh, yeah, I think that Briar stock went up, and that should if you are a disenfranchised five player and your deck has now been <clears throat> quote unquote banned, like Briar is something pretty legit pick to look at. I want to um, talk about our expectations for the PT and just kind of what we're looking, I guess, like broad spectrum, kind of what we think a meta could be. But I think the best way to actually do that to start with is I want to talk about winners and losers, Brendan. So I wanted to maybe each of us just give our kind of winners and losers from this change to the format. And uh, I'll, I'll start, give you a little bit of time to think. But I think the the clear winners for me, because uh, you, you just said about it, at Prism, Briar, I think, uh, are the two biggest winners in, in this change. I think, you know, there's some fringe decks that definitely get some wins, potentially something like maybe Dash gets a bit of a bump out of that. I think there's some decks that stay probably around where they are. Uh, I think Bravo is still a good option, still a good deck. We're going to see it, uh, even though, you know, maybe it's its biggest deck to prey on is, has taken a hit and is going to lose share. I still think Bravo is, is strong. Uh, I think Viscerife stays around the same. I don't think it's necessarily lost or gained uh, too much from this. It might net out because, yeah, you you lose some fire, but then Prism goes up. Um, I think losers, though, on on the flip side of that, uh, like you talked about, I think I think Oldham is to me seems like it's a it's a loser so far, and and Lexi feel like the two decks that maybe lose out of this because um, Lexi in particular, I think Ice Lexi builds were looking more and more attractive with a, a more narrow meta game. Lexi is so. The more open a meta game is, I think the harder and harder it is to play Lexi. It's just hard to tech the deck uh, to the way you want it. Yeah. Well, I could repeat that, but I pretty much agree with you 100%, except okay. for potentially <laughs> Prism. Like, yeah. So maybe if like tons of Briar come back in, then Prism could like 
weirdly inadvertently lose from this uh this ban so so one thing that the one deck the one fringe deck <laughs> is kano so kano actually benefited from this kano could not do anything against Fi way too fast like there's two ways of attacking kano one is your stupid oasis response sorry i have a little bit of animosity for that card and your your arcane barrier or it's just being like so ridiculously fast that like it doesn't even matter what kano throws at you you're just he's dead because he's on 30 life uh kano's big mm. kano kano definitely won from this big win big dub for kano can it be competitive? So, yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't think it could be Fi. Like, I, I don't think it could be Fi. Sure, it sure, it would but be a total crapshoot. If the story is that, and and this is the, maybe this is just the narrative I have in my head, but I really expect Prism to benefit a lot from this, and and I think that's what the data is showing us. Prism had one fifth of the road to nationals wins in week three and uh, and four. I expect to see Prism uptick. Yeah, to to a reasonable degree. That's not good for Kano. Let me take it to chapter two of my story here. Kano sucks. So Kano's very meta dependent, and this meta being like Guardian decks that just naturally pack away to spite, and then a f- ton of prisms and briars who are playing spell void. <laughs> I don't think it's the pick. I want it to be the pick so bad. Just give me, just give me a little bit of hope, and I'll play Kano. I'll show up with the wizard. But I think that this is one of the worst formats possible for wizard at this point. Brennan, be careful. You know, people are going to say, ah, oh, Brennan, he was trying to talk down Kano just so he could bring it to the PT, trying to get people to drop their uh, their AB, their Spell Void, and their uh, their Oasis response. So they can't. I, I talk so much. I, I say so many bad things about so many loved heroes like Bolton um, that, you know, every everybody everybody gets some. You know, Kano, Bolton, Prism every now and then. So nothing's off limits. And, uh, yeah, I do actually think that Kano's in a rough spot. <laughs> Yeah, do you want to do you want to sort of throw any shade or say anything bad about other heroes that we maybe haven't done so before? I, I don't For feel sure. like you haven't said much bad against uh, Viserai before. Maybe Bravo, uh, uh, Ultim. I know you dislike, but you haven't you haven't said you 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 know it's not it's because you don't like the play styles. Anything else you want to kind of just talk down on while we're here as well? Yeah, you know, just shout out to Mansant. Levia sucks. Um, somehow he makes it happen. <laughs> but yeah, Levia is pretty. I mean, the the I wish the brutes would have their time in the sun. To be honest, I I know that this was a bit of a you're rhetor- telling me bit of a rhetorical question, but I do wish the brutes were not so bad. Like you're like, oh, they could be good in a prism. I think that brute is like. It's it's it has a good matchup in the prism. Don't get me wrong, but you would think it would be better. <laughs> you, know, you, you would think it would yeah. be a lot better. Um, yeah. So that's a big bummer, and I think Dorinthia loses stock. If you were playing Dorinthia before, um, for whatever reason, because I know I heard you know there's some mumblings about Dorinthia, freaking fab boomers out there. Um, yeah, I think the stock goes down on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're we're, we're definitely digressing into some just some dark territory <laughs> here. <laughs> So for that, I apologize. Look, I think it's going to be interesting the next four weeks. Regardless, like let's put the you know we're we're, we're onwards and upwards, Brandon. We're putting the banner restricted announcement behind us, the unscheduled announcement. We've we've set our piece about it. Uh, I think you know we're similar on some things. We maybe we disagree on the outcome, but we both agree that there's learnings to be taken from this. I think um, now looking forward, I'm just interested to see what happens. Battlehard in Portland, Singapore calling, and then Lil. Of course, it's going to be. Really, really interesting. Um, I, I think we've kind of talked a lot about the meta that we expect to, to see rise and fall. And um, I guess now it's just really for time to tell. Uh, I do think we're going to see a pretty diverse field. I think there's basically no chance we see the top three decks 
um, have the same representation as they did at at uh, PT one at mm. PT two or even to be honest, Singapore. Maybe disagree because we have these big events before. That's I think these big events are going to narrow the meta a lot. I think it's going to look really different. One week between Singapore though, and it's yeah. and it's a mixed format. Be, uh, you say that. You say that, right? You say that. But uh, I remember when we went to U.S. Nationals, like I expected a lot of Briar, but people freaking hopped on that deck like f- just fire so fast. Um, and this was after the weekend of the U.K. Nationals, and we saw that breakout performance. I, I would not underestimate the participants of the pro tour's ability to switch decks quickly if something does break out is the best deck but it has to be pretty compelling because it's got to take them off their freaking prisms and you know whatever other freaky decks they're playing so it could be but i do think that these uh these these big events are going to narrow the meta um a lot but if you are playing any of the callings leading up to this they're going to be very exciting Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to be in Singapore and, and playing. I think um, no clue what I'm going to play at the stage, uh, but it's going to be awesome regardless. Yeah. We'll talk about that next week about sandbagging at that during Singapore and like how that all works. At the end of the day, if you're going to Singapore, you're, like I think it's a huge advantage that you get to play that format effectively before the tournament. Um, but hey, we'll talk about your deck and about the strategy around that that kind of tournament. Okay. In you have pod. to let me know what I'm playing first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, that wraps up the main topic of the pod. Uh, Brendan, Google review this week. Yep. So we got a Google review. This is from um, man. I really get scared with some of these names. Like I don't know. <laughs> so I'm Drake in here. Well, we'll just call him QH because it's a scary one. Uh, and the title is Meta Aid Five Star Review. It says this podcast is great for any intermediate players and exp- and experts alike. I started to play Flesh and Blood only to realize there wasn't anyone nearby to play with until recently, and this podcast has kept me up to date on the current format, metas, and trends even in the downtime. Thanks, guys! Exclamation mark. That was all one sentence, by the way. It was a masterful use of uh, commas. But thank you so much for that uh, five star review. It does mean the world to us. But Hayden. If someone's listening right now and they want to get their message read, read out on the Arsenal Pass podcast, how do they do it? How do you submit a review? Is it hard? Do I have to know all these details about these random podcast platforms? Or is there, is there maybe an easy way to do it? Really difficult. You actually have to go to uh, your local government official and you have to lodge a form. It's called a uh, 95654 form. Um, no, it's really easy. Uh, all you have to do is go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Arsenal Pass. It'll tell you to click on your preferred platform platform, and then you just leave us a review. Um, we really appreciate it. It helps us get on those charts, get out to more people uh, who might be looking for flesh and blood content but, but aren't aware of us and uh, can find the pod. So, Or maybe, they, maybe they're looking for just TCG content and then maybe they'll get into flesh and blood. So it does help. And of course, we do love the... Uh, the ones that give us a chuckle and give us the uh, the cheeky five stars, but you know you don't have to if you don't feel like we're worth it. Uh, I was just googling as well to see about that name. I, I think it's fine, but anyway, uh, thanks QH for your, <laughs> for your review, Brendan. That's going to do it for this week's pod. Uh, if you do want to jump on Twitter as well, we we are engaging in, in Fab Twitter as per usual. Uh, you can find us at Brendan APG and Fian underscore Dale. Of course, that's Brendan and me respectively. Uh, YouTube, we are uploading videos to YouTube. We've got a couple of gameplays that went up in the last few weeks. Also, Brendan has done some deck techs with some notable community members, as well as uh, I did a Viserai one, uh, I think about a month ago now. Uh, but those are also all up on our Patreon if you want the sideboard guides and uh, deck guides as well for the Lexi, the Fi, and the Viserai decks. Make sure I say the heroes in there, Brendan. <laughs> and uh, massive shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you very much. 
Until next week, see you then. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>